Welcome to Seize the GM. I'm your host, Zended. I am your co-host, Jules. And I'm Garda Moje. Have you ever had a great idea for a campaign? Do you have a group of friends who want to play an RPG, but you have no one to run it? Do you want to see what the world is like behind the GM screen instead of in front of it? Well, we're here to help you do just that. Each week, the three of us will be discussing various GMing topics, terminology, maps, atmosphere, world building, you name it. So sit back and relax. Let us help you. Improve your art of GMing. One show at a time. Better, better, better. And we are entering the banter segment. And welcome back to another episode of Caesar JM. <laughs> Don't ask thrilling. why I did that. It's thrilling. It's chilling. It's freaking cold around here. Oh, it got cold here too. It snowed. I haven't had snow. It was 20 degrees. It's going to be like in the teens in the morning. I'm not. It was 70 two days ago. That's what's weird. And we actually had snow today. Yeah. I don't doubt it. It's been crazy. But what else have you guys been up to? I mean, Jules, it's been it's been a while. You've been you've been running all over the place. Yeah. Well, Halloween time is a is a shit time for me, and then, um, you know, we got the final update that yes, the the contract and program was on. <clears throat> they were insourcing anything that was left and discontinuing the entire program, and I couldn't get uh, I couldn't get insourced at my old job. So, job hunting, and then new job. Uh, remember, I called you about this. I I called you both. Yeah, and it was true. the. I went for an interview, and, you know, uh, a week later, I had an offer letter uh, contingent on me passing a background tech, which I got at 8 in the evening, and I called you up. I'm like, why are they home? And you're like, I have to put the kid to bed. I'll call you right back. And I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I, I was totally shibby with that because I know, and I'm, I'm shibbing with that happening. And um, so I'm like, all right. So then you call me back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? Because ah, I wasn't expecting it that fast. Right. And I'm like, why are they emailing me so late? And you said, uh, it says California, right? I'm like, yes, but and it took me about five seconds. <laughs> yeah. And then afterwards, I'm like, okay. So next day I get up, fill out all the paperwork for it, for the background investigation, all of them must send it in. And Hooray. 24 hours later, they paid for an expedited on my background check. Wow. Well, that's because they wanted you. Official job offer. And now I'm going in there and I'm like, oh, my gosh, no one knows what we're doing. I don't have a statement of work. What am I doing? (laughs) So I got a a change request document. It sounds really fun. But dear God. Yeah. It's taking me days to do this, but I also have to do, like, fingerprinting and... I came home, I had a couple of black smudges on my face that didn't get the ink off. <laughs> yeah, laugh. Laugh at it, bright boy. 
Oh, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. So how, how about you guys? Uh, crazy. Uh, heading into what for me is a busy work sesh series and area of time. So I'm going to be running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But this is a good thing. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, dealing with the holidays and family and welcoming the new year with an attempt to like be healthier and all that jazz. You know it ain't going to work. Something really totally awesome is going to happen. You're going to be like, oh, no. And now I'm missing one of my arms, but it was worth it. I can't be healthy. (laughs) I I hope that's not actually the case. I like my arms. I I kind of find them useful. I'm I'm aware of that, but. (laughs) Caught up on a little bit of TV. I'd say did did some of that. Um, Oh, hey, I, I have time. I can sit down and watch. Uh, TV and catch up on stuff, so that was useful. Yay! All right, well, uh, anything totally awesome? I really am enjoying The Man in the High Castle. Uh-huh. Season, that? season three was really strong. Man in the High Castle is an Amazon Prime show, and it's yeah. based on a uh, short story. Really kind of famous short story. Uh, but it's gone past most of where the... Uh, story short story goes and it's kind of out there on its own and it is um well it's based on an alternate history yeah okay in which the u.s and the allies lost world war ii Mm. okay and the north american continent is kind of broken up between uh the reich and also the the greater Japanese state with the neutral zone in the middle over the the mountain states. And stuff happens. Um, I don't want to give away too much for anyone who hasn't watched it, but I really, really recommend the 30 episodes. It also does have one of my favorite actors, Kiri Hiroyuki Tagawa. Okay. So if you like... If you like Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa, you should watch this uh, just because whether or not you recognize him as Shang Tsung or not. It, well, he's been a lot okay. of stuff. Yeah. He's also been Heihachi. Don't remind me. <laughs> uh, uh. I mean, he, he at least nailed the part of Shang Tsung. He, he kind of embodied it and he actually felt very menacing. And, and kind of creepy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. It's still. Oh, yeah. FYI, on new shows, if anybody likes kind of the that that narrative of being like the the old Dungeons and Dragons, um, like the old cartoon. Oh. There is an anime out there called That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. Okay. It has a lot of that feel. I'm I'm going to. It, it, it makes sense. The main character, the the first, is a dude in Japan. He's kind of you know every day, and he reincarnates in this other world as a slime, and he gets all these powers because of all the wishes he was making as he was dying. Yeah. And it's and you get a lot of these you know the powers that you got out of the monster manual and stuff like that. I mean, are is stuff that he gets. And the first episode is called Storm Dragon Veldora, and it's it's totally awesome. But the characters, the mon- it's he's a monster. He's like a little slime. Uh, 
but it's adorable. It, it's fun. The, you know, the whole idea of like named monsters having more power. They actually go into that a little bit. Oh, that's fun. It's and it's it really is delightful. You can see it on Crunchyroll. It's on Verve. Um, and one, yes, it's, it's you have subtitles. And the voice acting for like all these the, the characters is funny and it it's really endearing is and it's it, the scary part is scary without being like gory or um, you know super like creepy violent it's the you know you you walk in all you know it feels like almost as if a uh, you know you're a first level dungeoning crew. And you see a monster's like, I don't think we can take that. And they actually visually and story-wise get you to feel that. And I'm like, oh, I haven't seen that before. That's cool. Yeah. Actually, speaking up. speaking of Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, <laughs> well, for Christmas, I got the um, the beginnings, like the not, the first nine, like nine episodes. Huh? Um, and... I have to actually, my daughter saw it. She's like, oh, I like this. I, cause she was just looking at the characters on the front. She's like, I like the girl with the cloak. <laughs> so well, I, we're going to sit down. It fits. Yeah. So we're going to sit down like the two of us and watch all, cause I've got like that. Um, and then, uh, of course, cause I haven't had time to watch anything and I never really do, but, I, I got Atomic Blonde for Christmas, and I still Aww. haven't watched it yet. Oh, I've heard a lot about it. Let me know if it's good. Oh, I will. And then I I had a it – was, it was kind of funny because one of the other co-hosts on the show decided to start talking to my wife about a movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's strictly ballroom and – I own I, that, dude. So it's do I now. Collection. So do no. I now. He knows no. nothing about it. This is this is he, he knows nothing. I don't. It's have, awesome. Don't don't say anything. I will watch no. it. There's there's four things. One, you will. I, I what I did after I watched the movie, I bought the soundtrack. Yep. Uh, second, the. Sometimes you have to be a little bit careful because in how certain camera shots move can make you a little nauseous. Mm. Zippy got a little sick. Not likely, but okay. No, but he he sometimes uh, gets motion sick a little bit. So just if you're if if, if you're, you're sweetie, to, if you're susceptible to motion sickness, there's certain cinemato- cinematography that could uh, trigger that. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not giving any plots away, but I'm letting you know the soundtrack is is amazing, and you know you might get a little bit. And the and the last one is, you know, there are there are some wonderful quotes. So be careful that your daughter doesn't hear it because she might repeat them <laughs> frequently. It's not like they're naughty words or anything. Oh, they're 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 like earworm phrases. They're catchy. Yes. Oh. Well, see, my daughter actually sits there and she'll she'll be like, she'll drop something and she'll be like, oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So I just kind of have to accept that this is, you know, who my daughter is going to be. I mean, she's around me and my wife, so she is going to to cuss. So 
Well, considering considering the awesomeness of your wife's tattoo, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the the Venture Brothers, Brock oh. Samson. Uh, well, she's got uh, Run Lillian tattooed on her, so. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm planning my <laughs> Bendy and the Ink Machine tat, so. Oh, my daughter would love that. <laughs> just remember, uh, just remember, a life lived in fear is a life half-lived. Yeah. Nah, but when I'm, I'm going to be getting a Demon Bendy on one side and regular Bendy on the other. Yeah. Because I'm not good. I'm just... More, I'm just, good at it. Well, there's the demon side, which you guys have seen, and then there's the mildly prankish, but wouldn't call it good, but it's not evil. Yeah. So. But, right. okay, so, but there's also one other thing, and this actually has to do with the AP that I'm running. So one of the guys who is a player in the game runs one of the local comic book stores. He is also getting ready to start opening a gaming store. And he has asked for my input. Oh, dear. (laughs) He's dead. No, he's got a really nice space. Um... And no, we, it's, no, he's dead because he, he he asked for your input, and you have a whole bunch. And by the time you finish speaking, he's probably gonna be dead of old age. Uh, no, actually, what's really funny, we spent two hours. We we had lunch yesterday, and it was like supposed to be like an hour or so. We ended up talking for almost three hours. Oh, sweet! So, and that's where we kind of got into this too, because he was. He wants to do something else, and this was like a pretense to get to get together with me and have lunch. But we also talked about other stuff with this uh, new game store, and he and I see so many things like on the same wavelength for stuff. It's it was really kind of cool. So hopefully, uh, we start. sitting down and and doing some more stuff with that. But we're actually going to dinner like him and his wife and me and my wife are all going to go out to dinner and then go over to one of the other game stores that's here in town. And because he hasn't even been there. Oh, so he's not really got a feel for what the other guys are doing, which isn't a big deal because there's not a ton of the traditional game stores here in town. There's a lot of, Oh, they sell comics and games. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Or they sell video games and have like a bookshelf with some game stuff. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So his will be probably one of the first few truly dedicated game stores. Cool. Here in town. So, yeah. But, yes, it's so cool. I can hardly wait. Once we actually have some more stuff put together for that, then and let be. us know. Let us know the progression, my friend. No, it sounds. Oh, I, I will be. <laughs> so, but you know what? I would. I got nothing to to segue. We, so we're just going to yeah, jump right in. Like, this is going to be a hard jump. 
<laughs> Hold on to your butts. Oh, Hold on. We've kind of... Good luck, everyone else. <laughs> we kind of danced around this for a long time, and it, it's something that comes up a lot when we talk about gaming, and it is kind of crunch versus narrative mechanics or, or crunch versus narrative games. And we wanted to go ahead and at least have one episode to start diving into what we mean and, and what the strengths and weaknesses and, and frankly to let you see what our preferences are if you haven't figured out where we all fall on this. Prepare for screaming. There's no screaming involved. Yes, there is. No. Because I'm right and you're wrong. It's that's not how <laughs> this is. It's it's not I'm right, you're wrong. It's it's my right. way or the you're highway. Wrong. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> first things first, what do we mean? Uh, when we talk about a crunch or crunchy game, it's a game that has a lot of rules and rules that require application to your dice or other mechanic that you're using. Right. Cards are an option, such as say, in Castle yeah. Falkenstein, on, currently on Card Catalog, which you should go click over and look at. They've got a strong framework of rules in the books and in empowering the GM, controlling the flow of the world. Uh, you can think about it like an external power center from the gaming table. And then, of course, there's the other fun one, which is a narrative game. Generally speaking, they have... Uh, it's more freeform? Generally, they have fewer rules. And the rules yeah. are a lot more about um, manipulating or changing the narrative of certain elements in the stories. And they are, as a general rule more more Actually, story driven mm-hmm. uh, that I don't kind think of, is a fair statement let me let me put it to you this way all okay. right okay you can you can and I will give and and as a hint to future episodes DLD, is there are two video games one is extremely heavy with crunch but it still has a good story and that would be dark souls it has a lot of rules. It has a lot of mastery, and you really have to kind of understand the mechanics of the game to get forward. This is why you have the get good bit. But you have narrative branch, narrative ones, and that would be more of your The Walking Dead or The Wolf Among Us, where you make choices to affect the narrative. It's like, do you go left or right? Yeah. But that's not defeating the monster. So if you want to think, both of them have great stories. And both oh, of them are, yes. are extremely engaging, but the mechanics of one is of, of the crunch okay. is also one of the lore of Dark Souls. See, here's here's where I was going with my my definition of it's it's more narr- like the story it's more story driven mm-hmm. is it is um it's not necessarily that it's more story driven than a crunchy system, but that those story elements are generally considered part of the game mechanics. Good point. How they are, how they impact the overall game that's being played. I think one of the ways I described it was that it has an internal power center to the gaming table. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is though, and here's the thing. No system is, I want to say, inherently 
better than the other. Um, some are more uh, adept for certain types of games, all right? Well, so not only games, you also have personal play. preference mm-hmm. as a GM and as players. Yes, and that's something you kind of have to be aware of. Like, if you've got a person that likes narrative games a lot better than Heavy Duty Crunch and um, and you know, they're like, all right, I'll give it a try. I'll give it a try. You know, don't over That's the thing is like, you kind of can't just like tsunami them with all the rules and stuff like that. You, you have to, at least for their little bits and parts, maybe add a bit of crunch and then let them do a teeny weeny bit of narrative until they get a little bit more comfy. Same thing with a crunch player that's doing narrative. It's before he does anything, Maybe give him a dice roll, a skill check, a puzzle, uh, something to do dice-wise or move-wise, you know, with his minis or something, and then make him describe it. Uh, That's at least how I've handled it when introducing uh, a narrative player to a crunch game or a crunch player to a narrative game without uh, them losing their minds. Because it's, it's a system shock if you are not... If you're if you're not if used you're to not it. ready for it, <laughs> and yeah. the other thing is let the other players know. Um, you can be super duper excited to explain all the cool rules, but you know don't have them do that. But have them, you know, pick like something that they know. Like in the crunch games, like if they really really know movement, you know, in, in a combat turn, how and all the other, how movement works and all this other stuff. Have another player guide one dude, but only for the movement bit. Let him make everything out. Let the uh, let the play let you know the newbie kind of try everything else. But have the other guy guide him, offer suggestions and a little explanation. So one, it keeps all the other players engaged. It reinforces how the rules work to someone that might be a little shaky on it. And your new player kind of feels like, oh yeah, we're a team working together, helping each other out. I recommend in a crunch game, their first one, do not play an adversarial one. Because that that we, we used to call that the DC shuffle. Alright? When I used to play Vampire when I used to play Vampire ages ago, and I'm talking like decades ago in Wash in the DC game. We would bring our characters from Southern Maryland or Northern Virginia, it was like we called it the DC Shuffles. Welcome to DC Physical Challenge. <laughs> so that's that's the one thing you you know, for new stuff like that. There are adversaries where PCs will be against PCs. Don't let that be their first introduction because you could completely destroy those kind of games for a person. Like, yeah. they'll never play a crunch game again after, you know, because they won't have fun, especially yeah. on the first time. One of the things I, I really have been paying attention to and looking at, at crunch and narrative systems, I think comes down to a question of agency. And I think that narrative games are usually weighted in favor of player agency and crunchy games are weighted in favor of GM agency. And I tend to fall more on the crunchy side of the spectrum because I'm loath to give up my agency as a GM. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be unable to tell a story. I don't want to be unable to create a setting. Mm-hmm. And that bothers me to lose that level of control over what it is I've been left with. Really? Because I, I have found that I actually have more agency in a narrative game as a GM. 
the players can do whatever they want, but I am still, it's like, cause it's, they they can do a lot. I think they have a lot more freedom in their choices of what they, what they can do and actions and stuff like that. But it's well, like, they're still my puppets and they will still dance. Except and I don't, and I, 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 I know, I know where Gardamonje is coming from with this one, because like, okay. In there, there's a there's a few games out there, and we're just gonna name drop because I actually like this. In Fate, part of character creation is also world building. Yes, and that is the part because the players have to contribute to creating the game world that they're going to play in, and if you as a GM feel that you you need to have a firm grasp of everything before they can interact with things that can be tough to do if you are more of a I have a plan this is my plan I have a world my simulationist nature goes to the world and the relations in the world and so when i can't get to control even at that really broad level look there's a reason why there are a lot of fights in this continent because this is how these countries relate to each other when i can't guarantee that the campaign concept i'm coming up with that involves what happens when you're between two superpowers about to go to war is going to happen because I can't control the narrative because the player agency may undercut that. It becomes, for me, uh, kind of a shock to the system of, of my world doesn't fit anymore. I guess when it comes to that, though, it also becomes to what type of a GM. It's like I unlike you two, am much more improvisational. Oh. Zippy is even bigger <laughs> than I, so it doesn't matter. I still know ways to get around that, and, like, Zippy can do that even faster than I, but he's not brain damaged, so, you know, he, he's got a little one-up. Well, see, here's the thing. Do you know that normally when I run a game, I have almost no... I have, like, a few points and that's it all the rest of it i improv it well and again there, there are different levels here that we're talking about yeah and the amount of game preparation versus yeah. the world preparation is, is mm-hmm. where i lose a lot of preference and and where where i start breaking if i'm going to break one way or the other it's towards a crunchy game because that grant of power Two players with the rules, as opposed to a limitation on their power, lets me maintain the playing field. And, and I, I know Noel, who couldn't be here, falls on the side of the narrative games. So thankfully, it's only two to one here instead of three to one. <laughs> but no, because no, but I like the, both. The one thing, though, is also what kind of game are you running? Let for me. I actually am able to, because player agency has a, you know, is very much strong in narrative game. That's why it lends itself to horror, because it's the ultimate deceit that they think they have agency, and they don't. 
because of the nature of narrative of going more narrative. And I'm able to turn that on their head because they don't. I'm able to I'm able to let them think that. And it's that whole am I mad or is the world crazy? And they're you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the the one thing, because for me, I'm able to play into that. Now, now here was something. So for those who haven't listened to the first episode of the AP, the actual first episode, uh, Eric DeMage, who is on our discord and he's our one patron. He actually had no idea what game I was running. All he knew was that it was something horror. He had no idea that it was actually Pathfinder, which is a super crunchy game. Really? Yeah. I haven't been able to pull that off with more crunchy games. I I don't know. A lot of people that I've played crunchy games with, they get... The, the the rules are kind of their security blanket. Well, the thing is, is that I don't take the rules away. I just make the world more important and their interactions with the people and other things of that nature are more important than the rules that we're using. Which is where it's more. Do you think it loses some crunch? No, because all those rules are still present and they can be called up at any moment. Like if if we're sitting here having like a a like NPC to PC interaction, and out of the blue, one of the characters is just like, you know what? I don't trust this guy. I'm going to attack him. All right. I can instantly jump into combat, which is super, super crunchy. And I may even make him, before he makes that first swing, give me a sleight of hand. You know, I'm still using the rules, but I'm using them in a way that not... It feels not like as typical to what you would expect. Yeah. It, the rules are still the rules, but the application is mildly atypical kind of a thing. Yeah. And I would rather do things like that and make still have that very crunchy game. Well, and that that is something for adapting games to other systems, which is right. a great other topic. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. Future episode. But looking at crunch versus narrative, I, I think something else I think about, sometimes I think, way too deeply and not deeply enough at the same time is rules as limitations versus rules as grants are the rules a limitation on the player's capacity or agency or are they a grant of authority a grant of power and agency and the question on how how you answer that as a theoretical construct in a game yeah. can help figure out if you're leaning towards more narrative or more crunchy. Yeah. But the, the one thing also as limitations, like for me and, and it's because like, thank you, brain damage. It screws. I can't, I can't hold all the rules in my head. I can't use them. I can't utilize them because with a lot of the crunchy games, like, all right, 3.5 D and D 
just the stuff that was released by Wizard of the Coast. Mm-hmm. How many books are there? You don't even want to know. Exactly. No, I, I have all of them. I own them all. Yeah. And they're great and they're wonderful and, and they're they're entertaining. And if even you if we like eliminate books, a but textbook. I, <laughs> I do I always like well for me you'd I'd read little I'd read stuff like I'm like I'm curious about combat. So I'd learn read combat maneuvers or I'd look at the art or something like that. I oh, always yeah. enjoy no. that. But that's what I'm saying. Those are more of those books unless you're reading like a world-setting book or something of that nature, most of those were pretty heavy in, yeah. in you technical know, writing. technical writing. Exactly. Exactly, but right. For me, the thing is, like, I, you know, I do actually kind of enjoy reading stuff like that. But the thing is, though, I can't – I can't – like, I might remember a rule, then two hours later – I couldn't call it up to save my life. And that's yeah. one of the other reasons as much as it might be fun. If you've, you know, you also have to remember as like, and as a GM or as a player with limitations, um, because we've talked about those is I can't remember all the rules or I will have a rule in my head and then it's gone. I'll blank it. So the one thing, if you want to do, if you want to have, like if you wanted me to run a crunchy game, I all right, but I am putting severe. It's like, all right, we're only using the core book. Yeah. That's about all I can handle. Well, and that's fine. And crunchy doesn't have to mean an encyclopedia worth of rules, though a crunchy simulationist game usually ends up with that kind of uh, verbosity. Yeah. It's, it's okay for a crunchy game to have a slim set of rules. Uh, Star Frontiers was an oddly crunchy game. Uh, that was really open for being a 1983 product from TSR. Yeah. Explain Star Frontiers for our viewers who are like young whippersnappers. <laughs> young whippersnappers. First, I commend unto you to read the thousands of words written on the card catalog post about Star Frontiers at cgm.com. Yes. yes, please Next. do that. <laughs> that too, but... Star Frontiers was a science fiction space opera style game tsr put out in 1983 there are very few books for it and the original creation of the character involved rolling four percentile dice as a rolling percentile dice four times to create an array of stats but it was primarily a skill-based system but you only started with two that's why so they were broad so you had kind of a fabulous feel about it you had a big swashbuckling fabulous feel but a crunchy construct in these well-defined rules that could apply to a lot of situations. And that was uh, really interesting to see in 1983. And it was kind of a a contrast to Traveler, which was a more simulationist rule set. And that's another part of the conversation. But you can have crunch in a 65-page booklet that included all of the races that were available as playable characters that had all of the equipment that was a a really comprehensive game at the time yeah without without needing oh what was the last pathfinder core book clocking in at 500 pages the the last core book yes uh ooh i think the the playtest which was i believe the last like core thing that they have actually released released oh let me grab my copy here real fast because i have one 
baby. I think it's around 500 pages. The playtest clocks in at a hefty 428. Ah. Dude, that was close. But, but that's really close. I mean, and it's Damn, and that doesn't though, include man. that doesn't include this is just the core rules. That doesn't include the 100 pages of monsters that they released and the like I believe at the end the errata for the playtest clocked in at somewhere around 30 pages. Yeah. So this shows a spectrum of where rules that crunchy games can be 50 to 60 pages to over 500. Yeah. There's also, you know, kind of one, like I said, the simulationist fabulist axis I'm looking at, which I put in the, the doodly do. And, the more simulationist, the closer you are to wargaming, and the more you're trying to perfectly model reality as you know it yeah. in the rule set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there can be narrative simulationist games. Yes. Come up with one. Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space. Yeah. It is a Aha! simulationist game that accurately describes the universe it lives in, but is a narrative base. And one uh, of the ways I'd say, and we talk about that in the card catalog once again, wrote a bunch of it, look it up on seasethegm.com. And another one is Mutants and Masterminds. It is it is a very, very simple system, but it is crunchy if if you know what you're doing with it. You considered here's the thing. I'm I find that probably Mutants and Masterminds reads to me like stereo instructions. <laughs> It's a D20 I was, derivative. I, but I'm reading it, and I'm still not – the thing is, like, I couldn't get it to gel. It, I was, it, it, it's a, it is a very crunchy system, and the D20 derivation simplifies it to some extent from uh, something like the hero system, like Champions. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's, it's pretty crunchy in ways that I, I deeply enjoyed building a character with. But um, – as as crunchy as it is, it's still very not simulationist. Yes, it is. Very few superhero games are simulationist. Most right. of them want to be fabulous. They want to be the big summer blockbuster. They want to ignore the laws of physics. They want to just jump on the back of the car instead yeah. of falling and, and missing. <laughs> or, or, or they want to grab the end of a tank and swing it around. Yes, the whole thing. Uh, these are, and that's that's kind of the distinction. Um, Godlike is one of the few simulationist superhero games. I can yes, but this is one of those topics we could spin off into an entire hour-long Patreon exclusive recording, which we hmm. may end that's up doing. Sounds like an idea. Uh, and as you can tell, I'm one of the holdouts for the crunchier side of the. Uh, debate here when push comes to shove but the thing is though you're you're speaking it's like a lot of the people that i you know that are my friends or that i will play with are also very much crunch lovers and due to my limitations i don't think they've been able to adapt crunchy for somebody like me which makes it difficult to experience a crunchy narrative a crunchy game with a really good narrative or something that would enjoy that would if, I, I don't know. It's like certain ways to intuit certain rules, so I don't forget them. 
And that part of that goes to game design, and I, I think we're yeah. seeing changes in that. But I'm going to come down on this. If I've got to choose, if I have the choice, I will go towards crunch. Mm-hmm. Some things are better suited to narrative, and I'm going to admit that. But I'm, 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 I'm kind of a grognard in that way. I kind of enjoy things like the, the clunkiness of Palladium's system. Uh, it's charming <laughs> in a lot of ways. But it, this is not a surprise. You've seen my collections. You've seen me oh, write about this. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And what I want people at home to kind of think about and listen and, and tell us about is where they fall on this continuum. Mm-hmm. Because it is narrative to crunch, and I don't think that it, it's necessarily – both can tell fantastic stories. And I trust players to be able to tell fantastic stories in both styles. And I trust that there are people out there who can't in either style and yeah. can ruin it. So find us on Facebook. Find us in our Facebook group, on Twitter, on Instagram, on our Discord channel, and tell us where you fall on that spectrum. Are you a slight crunch lean, a slight narrative lean, or are you all in one way or the other? And here's the thing. And if you've got, and if you've got game systems that kind of – would be a, a good introduction for like a crunch player to a narrative heavy, a little more rules light, or a narrative heavy, more rules light to a, uh, you know, let us know. Let us know how you played it. And heck, if you've got introduction stories for somebody that if they played con- Hackmaster all the time, all the time, all the time, and then you got them playing like Fate or something, and they loved it too, and they, ca- and they learned how to adapt, uh, how to play, how'd you do it? Yeah. And if, heck, you know, it's like, and if you got a really good story, we might, you know, we'll probably ask you a lot of questions. Yeah, we would. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm good at certain things, but I know it's like, if it comes to rules crunch, because everyone else mastered the rules and I don't, because I can't. And that's kind of what makes me sad. (laughs) Yeah. Hey. On the positive side, I know my limitations and will never, it's like, I know Gardemanger will will whip my hiney on most rule systems. <laughs> and I'm aware of that, but so, in those kind of games though, I would, if he was running a very crunch-heavy game, I would trust he would also understand and help, uh, help me. It's like, no, 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 it's like the rules work like this, and give me a couple examples. Yeah. And then I would talk out a couple of things. It would slow a little bit of the action down. But it would allow somebody like me to maybe get into it a little bit more. I might not be able to master everything, but something might stick, and I'll be able to remember it longer. Yep. And Gardemajin, I'll tell you one thing. He has the mastery of every little bit of crunch, (laughs) which is awesome. I do not. Yeah. Well... I think we're going to go ahead and close down this main topic and roll on into our stab blocks. And now we enter stat blocks. This is a segment where you can use something that we've created in your game tonight. All right. So... I got nothing. Oh, you just finished the holiday season. I'm surprised. No, I actually, I actually had, uh, I had like the worst case of writer's block 
hit like I wrote like two sentences and then it was just like all of it gone. <laughs> I, I, I've so. had that. I've had that. So it's okay. I'm not it. (laughs) I just you're not playing. Yeah, I came up with mine really uh, close. I'd say I just just knocked out like 250 words where something finally hit me. That now I'm probably going to come back to at some point in some game at some point. Oh, by the way, I should run for you guys. Um, Darn Skippy, you should. Yeah, but jewels, if you don't mind, I'll go first. Okay. Grabtham's Folly. Golems are usually made out of matter, something you can touch and that has weight. That's what makes them so annoying and so aggravating. You hear them coming and shuffling down hallways and through forests. What happens, though, when a golem is made out of fire? It seems there was a mistranslation of some of the older tomes for golem construction. It, It wasn't that they had to be made out of earth, like rock, metal, or clay, but that they had to be made of this world like one of the naturally occurring elements. Grabtham is, was, a brilliant alchemist and archaeologist. He figured this out. He managed to translate the manual and see where the old transcription error was made, and how the kids these days don't pay enough attention to the declensions of nouns. But he managed to make a fire column. How? Maybe he burned the empowering sigil when he lit the flame so it became part of the golem. Maybe the fuel for the fire was arranged in the appropriate pattern. It isn't really important because eh, he's dead now. His own creation killed him when he tried to snuff it out as a proof of concept. Grabtham's folly. (laughs) It's still here in the dungeon. Maybe you found a hint about it in the level closer to the surface, but it is running out of fuel. Can you provide it with something at once, fuel to keep it burning, or will you be the fuel it wants to keep burning? Fine. Oh, that's wicked, dude. That is wicked. I like it. It was just having one of those moments from like golems, elementals. Why are <laughs> they fire golems? Hmm. I have an idea now. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I'm not surprised, dude. You do come up with the best ones, though, man. Oh, I expect that yours is going to be pretty fantastic. Speaking of, let's (laughs) hear it. All right. The Obsidian Ballroom. You thought you've heard a whisper. During the long treks between towns while working with family to prepare the evening meal, it's there. This near omnipresent yet soft demand for attention while you've been negotiating with other vendors and swapping stories about life on the road. You've chalked it up to exhaustion, frustration, or nerves. You're unsure what was the exact trigger. One moment you were chatting with a fellow traveling merchant, examining his selection of weapons. Then the muffled whisper you've been hearing becomes clear. Your eyes lose focus. A gray metallic haze overlays your field of view. You shake your head, and you're no longer at the merchant's stall. You only have a brief moment to take in your new surroundings. This room is huge. It feels formal and foreign, cold and sharp, but not unwelcoming, fully alien, yet intimately familiar. The entire loom looks, room looks like it was made from obsidian, and it's slightly disorienting. As you try to get your bearings, a figure steps into your view from your blind spot and bows. May I have this dance, the figure asks, extending a leather-wrapped hand. 
You're whisked into a dance unlike any other, frenetic yet controlled. There's a rhythm to it, a pulse. You know it, but can't place it. Within a few seconds, you're consumed by that. And in that moment, you recognize the true nature of your partner. A glint of steel and a pommel wrapped in soft leather. A sword. You spin and whirl, leap and bend. You switch places, becoming the weapon, feeling what it's like to be wielded by a master. You're vaguely aware of another partner cutting in, and the moves change seamlessly. The cold intimacy of a dagger being spun, switched between hands effortlessly. A wooden staff, supple yet seemingly unyielding. The speed and flash of a whip. The heft and power of a flail. The dervish spin and impact of a kasari fundo. At times you are the wielder and at times you are the weapon. You dance with an untold number of partners around and around this ballroom of obsidian. You feel the rhythm of innumerable battles, duels, street brawls, exhibitions, assassinations, fights for honor, fights for revenge, the clash of dynastic armies, and the desperation of a fight for survival. After what feels like hours, the dance ends. Your original partner approaches you, bows, and softly kisses the palm of your hand. If you wish to dance again, you only need to ask. The scene dissolves and you are right back where you were, chatting with the merchant. No time has passed. Slightly unnerved, you respectively take your leave and head back to your caravan to rest and process your experience. Time passes and you are awakened to the sound of a scuffle outside. You sit up and fumble around your bedroll for something with which to defend yourself. Your hand wraps around a familiar leather-wrapped pommel. With a slight smile, you grasp the sword firmly, turn to the exit, and whisper, Shall we dance? <laughs> cool. Told you it was unique. Yeah, don't don't be saying I'm doing better than you on these. That's pretty <laughs> fantastic imagery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see, the good news is, since I've gone and you've gone and Zen didn't have anything, it's easy to just turn to him and go, so what's our word of the day? <laughs> Lexicon, where we give you cool words to help improve your vocabulary. Zen, what's our word of the day? Okay, well, our word of the day is lees. Okay. I mean, I know you already know what this is. He knows what everything is. No, not everything, but he's asking another food and drink question. (laughs) So, this is the sediment of a liquor, such as wine, during fermentation and aging. Wine isn't technically a liquor, but we will overlook that for the time being. Usually a condensate out of it, not just a sediment, but one that is generally suspended and shows up with age as it goes through. And you'll remember if you go back to, I think, one of my earlier uh, – as I one of the earlier um, stat blocks, we talked about the champagne, and I made an offhanded comment about racking the lees. In champagne production, lees have a different meaning, but... <laughs> well, what does it mean in champagne produ- production? Uh, champagne lees are actually what they put them on. Uh, they they are 
the physical racks that the bottle is uh, yeah ah and so yeah the the this isn't dead yeast like other one sediment left yeah it's it's the yeah yeah, and wine in particular, it ends up being a lot of dead yeast. And in uh, champagne, we're talking about uh, what it's held on. Yeah, Gotcha. So the history and etymology is uh, Middle English, Lee, from, or Lie, from uh, Anglo-French, from Latin, Lia. So, yeah, pretty simple. Uh, and its first known use is the 14th century, and its popularity is in the bottom 30% of words. That's because it's primarily only used by wine geeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but on the positive side, though, if you guys are running a fantasy game, and you, you actually now have an extra term you can use to describe the drink. Especially when you take it out as treasure from the bottom of the dungeon. Yes. You can tell, you know, whatever your highest etiquette or socially adept character is. You know, or the bard. Or, <laughs> or Yeah, or the bard. I'm assuming the bard would fall under the socially adept or high etiquette character. If not, we'll have a different discussion some other time. But yeah, that can go into how you describe it, whether it's got well-developed leaves or they realize something's wrong because it there ought to be more leaves if this wine had been down here that long. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, well, I think, guys, I think we're going to go ahead and call this bad boy wrapped. So. Well, what about the awesomeness that we recommend for you peoples? Well, there's that. Me? You have to start it because you didn't have a stat block. Okay. So today is actually the uh, the three year anniversary of David Bowie passing, and two days so three years two days ago was the release of his final studio album Black Star, and in my humble opinion it is probably the best album he has ever done now you need to go find it either on if you have spotify or some other streaming service go listen to this album and if you actually buy albums or cds or whatever go buy that just do it it is it's worth every bit And this is a man who, when he found out that he was dying, he had finished the album months before, like like five months before he eventually passed away. That's when the album was finished. He waited until he, he released it on his birthday and then died two days later. And a lot of the, like, he died from liver cancer. But uh, Black Star is actually a reference in medical circles to cancerous growths. So it's, like, really deep on a whole lot of levels. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, it's like he he planned everything when this came out. So yeah, you really need to do do yourself a favor and listen to this album. Yeah, the the thing that I found amazing about David Bowie is he was the musician the only musician that could link Trent Reznor and Bing Crosby. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You know, he was that kind of a musician that could put his foot in both worlds and belong. Yeah. So, you know, that's 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 the kind of musician he was. Yeah. He he and was he was amazing. I mean, and it's his 20 that's that's his 25th studio album. He gods. Yeah. So I mean I it's not like he has a small discography. So no. but yeah. It's bloody huge. So that's mine. <laughs> yes. And I rec- I I second the recommendation. <laughs> for it is awesome. I I own it. It's it's uh I own uh well I have Spotify, so obviously I own it because I can just download it directly. But I also found a 180 gram vinyl version of it. Dude. That is still in the original like shrink wrap. So You're kidding. No. <laughs> no. It's there are pictures of it on uh, my Facebook. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, dude. <laughs> so, so, what do you got? Who, me? Yeah. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's the thing. I um, It's not an exact place, but it's it's something you can do. Uh, you can call it, they're called puzzle breaks or escape rooms. Uh, get you and a couple of your buddies, a couple of people you play with, and when you go to these things, you usually have about an hour or something like that to solve the puzzles in the room. It's not just a puzzle. There's a bunch of puzzles and a mystery. Usually that's uh, kind of tied with it. And you, you solve the puzzles. You work together as a team. Like You, you perform some actions together and you know, so you can get out of the room and solve the mystery. And it's really neat because if you go in, it's not brainiacs all the time. It's not, you know, super strong guy. It's not the person that masters everything. Everyone has things that they're good at. And puzzle breaks and escape rooms, I have found, really allow everyone with everyone's like with their own like strategic ability to shine. So nice. you got somebody with a good memory. You got somebody that's good with math. You got somebody that's ciphers. You got somebody that's tall and strong because some of these actually do require physical strength. But uh, the nice thing about it is like the people that run these rooms, if you got a whole bunch of like, you know, 90 pound weaklings, they're not going to put you in the one that requires, you know, a lot of feats of physical strength or something like that. But you're only going to get out if you the good ones if you work together as a group and that's that's what i like is it's you have one person holding the switch in one room one person chanting the spell and the other person the other team is pushing on the wall to open a door to get to the next part of it 
Okay. You know, uh, you do have to be get the thing is like I've I've and there are bad ones or let's just put it this way the or the ones where you're smarter than the puzzle makers and I did that one cuz they did a computer based one. <laughs> and I taught them how to fix the problems. So yeah. you know, so if you if that's the other thing like if you're not if you are a computer wizard, don't do the computer ones. It's going to be easy. Do like the medieval based ones. You know, they have spy ones and so and it's it's a fun time with friends and you know if you get somebody that's kind of shy but all of a sudden it's like they have like an encyclopedic knowledge of like say David Bowie albums. <laughs> I have seen it where the the knowledge of the Beatles albums and the years they came out was extremely important. Yeah. That was that was one of the clues. And I don't know much about the Beatles. You know. But she did. Yeah. So that's the thing is like every you're gonna find cool secret bits about people, and cool. yeah, and you'll know them a little better, and you'll high five them, and you can turn to them as just like, hey, what would you recommend for blah blah blah? You know? Yeah. So, all right, Gardemanger, take us home and tell us what we can do for awesomes. Sleep. No. <laughs> you don't. Sleep is for the week. <laughs> It's a new year in uh, you know the American the Western calendar. Lots of resolutions. People to be better. You know, eat better, live better, exercise more, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sleep matters, and gamers will forget how much that simple act can help in all of these other areas. Get good sleep. Cut down on the stimulants right before bed. That includes electronic screens. Try to get a consistent six or seven or more hours every night. Let your own mind and body heal in that rest. And if you are able to do that, make that priority a way that you can treat yourself and be more able to enjoy things like Black Store or doing the escape rooms with your friends. Well, here's the thing also on the idea of sleep. If you're having a night where you can't really, you're just not, it's not, don't get mad at yourself for not. That's the other thing. Yeah, Sometimes your you body doesn't wanna... want to. And don't get mad at yourself because then it'll make it harder. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So yeah. as as a sleep problemer. Yeah. Oh, what would you recommend? What uh Gormaje, what is your favorite way to just kind of wind down yourself to prep for sleep? You know, what do you do? What do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh there's the whole shutting down the house kind of ritual takes a couple of minutes, make sure doors are locked, turn off lights, uh, get the last little cup of, if there's still lukewarm tea, decaffeinated tea, if not, water, and uh, listen, just listen to the house and the occasionally godforsaken cats uh, <laughs> For a minute or two as a short form of mind clearing before laying down with light off to just sleep. And that's the other thing is I I don't use the bedroom for anything unrelated to sleeping. Mm. Yeah, my my go to sleep is I get my super squishiest pair of socks. I put some foot lotion on and I put on my super duper squishy socks. Because one, I can't really walk around on the most slip all over the place. And I just snuggle under the covers because it's that, I don't wear those socks except to sleep. It's that mental thing. Yep. Mm. And that 
creating those associations with a specific set of actions, a specific piece of clothing that helps you create a ritual that gets your mind ready for sleep. And it helps. Yep. So, like I said, the reason I ask is because a lot of people just think, all right, turn the lights off and go to bed. Now, you got to prep your mind first. So You and, do? Well, let's just put standard people. <laughs> See, I have fallen asleep standing up. Aren't you ex-military? Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I can sleep any time. Like, I, I have been known to, like, my, my wife will be like, I'm coming to bed. And I'm like, okay. By the time she walks from the living room back to our room, I'm already asleep. <laughs> I sleeping, but see, I don't, I don't sleep for long periods. I sleep really heavy, and then I wake up after like five and a half, six hours. Well, and that's knowing your own REM cycles and knowing how much sleep you need. Yeah. Is something to be aware of. And mm -hmm. there are genetic differences. Some people need more than others. And I'd say that's something that you can learn by figuring out that consistency for your own sleep. But we've talked about narrative games. We've talked about crunchy games. We've added to your vocabulary. We've talked about music and friends and sleeping. And just in case you forgot, you can find us on Facebook. At Seize the GM group, Facebook.com slash Seize the GM. We're on Twitter, at Seize the GM. Instagram, at Seize the GM. <laughs> Which reminds me, I need to send you my pictures to post uh, of uh, Sir Hissy Face. Yes. The uh, Cobra I'm painting. Oh, cool. I've really gotten into this. Yeah. I got yeah, Oh, God, I don't even want to talk about minis. We're not going to talk about minis yet. The different game. Yeah. We talked yeah. through social media. Find us on Patreon. Drop us a few dollars. We would love to have you as a patron so we can enhance the offerings that we provide. And go out there and have some fun. Definitely. And tell us about it. So, until next time, folks, have a good one. Later. Contact us or the show using Twitter, Facebook, or plain old email. Our Twitter accounts are at Zendead, at Jules Podcaster, and at 2050 And the show's Twitter account is at SeizeTheGM. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash SeizeTheGM. Or chat with us and other RPG lovers in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Seize the GM. You can email questions or comments to the show at admin at seizethegm.com. And if you have a few bills you want to send us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. And we thank you. Joining us for this episode of CCGM. Feel 
free to leave a comment about this episode on our webpage, www.seizethegm.com. Let the dice fall where they may, and we'll see you all again next week. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted materials referenced herein are held by their respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is implied. The music for the show is Dreaming Spirit off the album Ghost Machine by the Enigma TNG. His music is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license.